had a minister's meeting. Thank you very much, honey. I, lo- I miss the hymns, and since Shirley's been sick, uh, you know last week we broke it out and we tried to do it a cappella. So uh, anyway, we, uh, we, uh, my wife said, well, I'll try, and so she did a good job, so thank you. We had a, had a minister's meeting this last week, and, and I completely forgot where I was going with that, so we'll go on. Man, things go so quickly, or come and go so quickly around here. Um, I, was, I had a point. I can't remember what it was. So anyway, if you got your Bibles, if you got your Bibles this morning, um, let's hold them up. This is God's Word for me today. Good try, Carter. Quick, think, quick thinking, buddy. We're going to be in uh, we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter fifteen this morning to start with. Um, we uh, oh I, I know where I was going now. Our uh, my wife's cousin Todd, who most of you have met, um, we were, we were at his church in Quincy, and he he was he got to speak, and he shared some of the things that had happened to him over the course of his ministry. That's things I didn't even know. Uh, when they were in Elmwood, he said uh, that, that they got a death threat one Sunday. The, uh, this young lady had gotten saved in their church and her boyfriend was a drug dealer in California. And he called and he says, I'm coming to your church and I'm killing every person in it. I didn't know that, and that was the truth. That, uh, he said, so we had this big Marine in, in our church. He said, I set him on the back row and I said, you, you soak up all the bullets. We're going out the door that way. <laughs> but seriously, they got a death threat because of this gal got saved. I'm thinking, whoa, that's... And my wife and I are like, wow, nothing like that's ever happened to us. Thank you, Jesus. You know? Uh, but, but and, and he talked about some of the things that had happened in their ministry and, and, and I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty intense. But the, the fact is, you know, we're called to serve God. Uh, no matter what, you know, even in the scary times that we live in today, uh, we are called to serve God faithfully. And, and sometimes, sometimes that's that's a hard thing to do when when we begin to think about uh, what we face in life. But uh, when it comes down to it, we just need to trust the Lord. Something something that we've been talking a lot about. Something we even it was even in our uh, my Sunday school lesson with the te- young teens this morning. Uh, about trusting the Lord in, in our circumstances. This morning, the title of the message is Yesterday and Today, the message is relevant. Uh, always realizing, and we talk about so often, that, that the Bible was written, uh, the New Testament itself was written over 2,000 years ago, and the Old Testament was written well before that. And realizing that the scriptures that were written in that day were very relevant for them, very needed for them. And yet we see that 2,000 years down the road, it is no less relevant and no less important for us today, even, even more so. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read this morning verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. 
When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. And I just ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. And, Lord, that we would be able to respond to it and apply it, Lord, to our lives and in the life we live. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is going to date you a little bit, but how many remember Jerry Clower? How many remember? Sunday mornings, he was on a radio program. And he, he, he was a, a, uh, like a country music comedian, but he was a Christian. So his comedy was Christian-based. So I ran across this. Jerry Clower tells the story of a pastor who went to visit a deacon who was in the hospital. The deacon was asleep, so the pastor knelt down beside the bed to pray for him. All of a sudden, the deacon woke up and was fighting and struggling but couldn't speak. He reached out to the table beside his bed and grabbed a pen and a piece of paper and quickly began scribbling words down. As soon as he handed the note to the pastor, he flatlined and died. Three days later, the preacher was at the graveside preaching the deacon's funeral. At that moment, he remembered that the deacon had written his last words on the piece of paper and that he had placed it into his coat pocket and had never read it. So he decided he would open it up and share the man's last words with the family. The preacher opened the letter and it reads, Pastor, back up, you're standing on my oxygen hose and I can't breathe. <laughs> Probably didn't really happen, but anyway, it was a funny story. Sometimes in life, we have a hard time getting our message across, don't we? Wives can say amen. Parents can say amen. Teachers can say amen. Husbands, I would say we can say amen too, but I don't want to offend any wives out there, you know. I don't want to get anybody mad at me. Um, but at times, we have a hard time getting our message across. We got something we want to say, and it's very important. Think about listening to a, a child. I love, you know, my grandkids. Christine is the, the most talkative little child I've ever known at that age, maybe other than Josh. <laughs> but she talks. And she's always got a story. She's, I mean, it's a big, long story, and she's expressed, and you're, oh, you're loving it. Except for sometimes, you know, you don't get it all, you know. <laughs> she's, she's got something, and, and you know, you try to, and, and there's just, you miss something, you know. Sometimes there's that, just you're missing something. And, and in life, many times, we try, we're trying to portray something, we're trying to say something, and we just, it's hard. You know, the person we're talking to isn't getting it. Have, have you... Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and you know you're, what you're saying is just so simple? And for some reason, they got that dumber and a hog look on their face. And you're like, why aren't you getting this? And it's like, you know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes they just don't get it. 
And again, I'm sure all the wives out there are like, that's exactly my husband. That look, I see it all the time. Well, anyway, God has a way of getting his message across. In the garden, he spoke personally with Adam. I love reading in, in, in Genesis where it talks about God walking with Adam in the cool of the day. There's a lot of dispute over some of that. and I, Theology, I'm not getting into all that. But the fact that God was with Adam in the cool of the day and he was walking with him and he was talking with him, personally sharing with him, that was awesome. He used a dove to deliver a message of faithfulness to Noah. Remember the dove? I love this. He used a donkey to deliver a message of rebuke to Balaam. The donkey, man. He used ravens to deliver a message of provision to Elijah. Now, I heard a pre sermon preached on that one time, and, and, the, and, the, and the minister says, now you've got to realize, the ravens are bringing the food to Elijah, right? You know where ravens get their food? We'd call it roadkill. <laughs> and yet he was thankful for the provision of God. Let that sink in a little bit. He used a great fish to deliver a message of chastisement to Jonah. Now think about that one. How, and I preached about that not too long ago. How long do you want to go before God has to really get your attention with a big fish? Not one on the end of your line either. He used a rooster to deliver a message of repentance to Simon Peter. When Simon Peter heard the rooster, he cried, recognized what he had done. He used some worms to deliver a message of judgment to King Herod when Herod wouldn't give God the glory. He used an angel to reveal to Mary that she had been chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. You see, there are a lot of different ways that God uses to get our attention to deliver messages. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about out of the, out of the mouths of babes and infants. There's a scripture that says he sometimes uses the foolish of the world to confound the wise. The thing about us as humans sometimes is we expect the message to come packaged a certain way. We expect to hear it from this person or that person or that person, or we expect it to come looking like this or that. We expect when our boss calls us in and say, hey, I got some good news for you, we expect a big raise, you know. And sometimes we don't always get what we expect because we didn't get the message quite right, maybe. And so we need to understand that God will speak to us in some way if we're willing to listen. We have, we have the Bible that we encourage you to pick up and to read faithfully. And in it are lots of messages to us. I'm not going to tell you that you can pick up the Bible tomorrow and it's going to tell you uh, what shoes to wear or what clothes to wear. But in the, in the important things of life, the Scripture is our authority and the Scripture will lead us and guide us in the important decisions of life and in the important things for us to do. Is that a message to somebody? Because I, I ain't getting it, Jared. I ain't getting it. They're having fun. That's good. Um, so this morning, wow, really excited today. 
Oh, Lord, help us. All right. <laughs> oh, I don't think he heard us. So this morning we need to understand that God has a message. For each person here this morning, God has a message. If, if, you, if you're an unbeliever this morning, he has a message. This morning, if you're a believer, he has a message. And as we think about what God wants from us today, uh, one of the things I believe that he wants for us is to trust him more. To surrender to him continually. The Bible talks about us uh, having a relationship and on a continual basis, keeping that relationship fresh. And I believe that this morning he wants us to hear that and he wants us to know that. Sometimes God will speak something directly to you and for you that nobody else got. I've been in services before where the Lord has spoken and I heard something definite from God and somebody else heard something else definitely from God and it was, it was unique that each one of us heard from God and maybe heard something a little bit different. And so I think we, what we need to do is, and I, and I talked to, again, the kids in Sunday school this morning about listening and let, letting God speak to you through the Scripture, through your parents, through the church, through, through somebody that, that wants to speak into their lives. Because believe me, there are a lot of negative people wanting to speak into your life. There are, there are a lot of people that want to try to get a piece of your life in, in a negative way. They, they want you to believe them in a negative way. They want you to, to, to do or, or act in a certain way that's not the way God wants you to act. So we need to be sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that God is calling us to do a work. You know, we talk about our missionaries, and, and, and if, if you, I don't know if you've seen the same news clip I did, but that very hotel was on the national news that our missionary was in just a little bit before the tsunami hit. And realizing that God has placed people all around the world to do His work. And sometimes that's you, and sometimes that's me that He calls to do a specific thing. He says, well, you know, we could say, well, you know, I go to church, and that's great, you know, I do my thing at church, that is great. But sometimes he calls us out, of, out to do something specific outside of those, those walls. Sometimes he lays somebody on our heart that only we can minister to, only we can reach. Maybe there's somebody out there that will not allow anybody else into their life but you. And so it's up to you to speak into them and, and to love them and to share with them the message of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Here we see the Apostle Paul as he writes this somewhere in the, in, the, in the early years, 53 to 55 A.D. after Christ's death. And I believe that this same message that was written some 2,000 years ago is as important for us today as it was then. It's as important for us today to live by as it was when it was written. We see in this scripture in verse 58 that we read, that it's an urgent message. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, and, and, and that, all of that is in, and we didn't read all the scriptures, some of the scriptures before, or, but, but he's talking about things that have 
he had written about up to that point, and he was also talking about the scripture that we did read about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. He said, because of all that, it's important that we take action now. Because of the fact of all the stuff I've written, because of the fact that Jesus is coming back, because of the fact that, that you know, the trumpet's going to sound, because of that, we have a work to do, and we need to do it right away. Think about you ladies when you were getting ready to have a baby. When that moment was there, you, want, you needed help right then, right? You didn't want the doctor to say, well, you know, if you can ju just hang on a couple more hours, I'll get there. You want him there now. You know, we had, Kelsey had a very close call. The doctor's delivering two babies at the same time, and he runs out of one room into her room and didn't even get to finish the other gal. He had to go back and do the, you know, all the stuff. But, but they needed it. She needed him now. Well, I want to tell you, there's things out there that need your attention now. There are people whose lives you need to intersect with, and, and it needs to happen now. Why? Because we know that Jesus is coming back. We might not even make it to that next ball game before Jesus comes back. We not, might not make it to the next church service. We might not make it to the next lunch. I'm looking forward to lunch, but <laughs> you better to put my lunch in the oven. Did you forget to put my lunch in the oven? Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, we don't know. We read the Scripture says, therefore, because of the fact that we know that Jesus is coming back soon, we need to do what we need to do, and we need to do it quickly. You see, Paul's, Paul's message was time-sensitive for the people of that day because no matter whether Jesus comes back today or tomorrow or 20 years from now, we don't know whose life we intersect with today that might not have that opportunity tomorrow. We don't know that the, the things that we do today will not affect somebody for eternity. We can't say, well, we'll just wait. Maybe five years from now, I'll get it. But it's a message of urgency, and I hope it's urgent for us this morning as well. As we read the Scripture, as we understand what the Scripture says, we realize that the... the that the Lord is constantly telling us to do it now. We realize that the Apostle Paul, as he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says do it now. We, we, have you ever done something wrong or boneheaded or stupid? Say, <laughs> and you got the sense, I need to make this right now, you know? I need to apologize now. I need, I need to, to deal with this now. You know, what, what do we do when our kids do something wrong? Okay, now, I remember the first time I was a kid. No, that was a stupid. The first time, okay, what I'm getting to is we went grocery shopping. And if any of you remember that, the old grocery store, we talked about it with Jess. You know, they had a ramp that goes down, and it used to be a grocery store over on, like, Blondo and Keokuk or Okay, that, I remember so vividly, that was the grocery store. And it was me and mom and my brother Tim. And when we got home in Warsaw at the time, I think it was in Warsaw, it might have been Hamilton by then, mom found out that my brother Tim had taken one piece of gum. That was probably a penny. Well, the urgency was, 
we're going back to Keokuk, and you're making that right. And we didn't wait till the next day or the next week or the next time we got groceries. Mom loaded us up back in the car, and she took us to the grocery store. And Tim went up to the counter, and he had to say he was sorry for taking a walk. Sometimes there's an urgency, and we can't put it off. We don't need to wait. It's time to do it now. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Get the message out. Let people know that Jesus is coming back. If we believe that Jesus is coming back that soon, then that urgency within us will cause us to make choices and to do things because of that. So many times we, we read Scripture. Uh, you probably don't, but I have in, in the flesh read Scripture and thought, well, that's just exactly what Lamont needs to hear. <laughs> I'm good on that, but that's exactly what Dave needs to hear or Randy needs to hear. Boy, I sure hope they read that Scripture today, Lord. It's always easy to see what somebody else needs to hear when God's trying to speak to us. God wants us to hear it. Why? Because we need to hear it. So it's a specific, you know, and, and, and I, always, I always love this, and I always try to bring it out, that when Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this Scripture, he wrote it to the church in Corinthian, in, in Corinth. He wrote it to you and I, the brothers just like us, the brothers and sisters who were probably the faithful attenders they almost never missed a Sunday. They, they, they probably gave their tithes. They probably, you know, they did everything they thought was right. But yet, Paul writes to them and says, listen, there's an urgency here. And I need you to know. I need you, the brothers and the sisters in the Lord, not to chastise you. Sometimes we take that instruction as chastisement. Sometimes it's because of the tone of the pastor's voice. <laughs> I'm guilty. But what it is, it's an urgency and saying, listen, brothers and sisters, we have a work to do. Let's, do. let's continue to do it together. Let's work together for the cause of Christ. As a body of believers, let's, let's get this message that Jesus is coming back and we must do everything that we can. Both around the world, you know, we talk about missionary, missions and, and I love missionaries. We actually got a missionary coming next week. And I love that, but, but also the Lord says, you could give all the money you have to missionaries around the world, but if I'm calling you to go to your neighbor, I need you to go to your neighbor. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? We found the very first king of Israel ran into trouble with that. So it's specific for the church. We need to hear the message that, that the Apostle Paul is writing that the church, Christians everywhere, need to take notice. It's time. It says, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in His work. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in His work. You've heard so many so many analogies, I'm sure, and so many different illustrations. But spiritually, steadfast doesn't mean that we, <laughs> we never change how we do things in church. doesn't mean we've sang that, you know, we've sang that 
forever, we're going to keep on doing it. That's not what it's talking about. Not talking about, well, we've had those pews forever. We're not getting chairs now. It's not what it's talking about. <laughs> some of you, some of you know. Oh, thank you, Lord. But what it is, is I have faith in Jesus Christ. He saved me. He cleansed me. He's called me. And I'm going to be steadfast in that. I'm not going to let the world convince me that God hasn't saved me. I'm not going to let the world convince me that I should live less of a calling than what He's called me to. I'm not going to let the world convince me that, that my salvation isn't real or that I'm not living, it, living the way God wants me to live because I don't allow this. I, I have to be steadfast in my faith. I have to know, I have to know, I have to know that I trust His Word and that no matter what the world says, I'm not changing that. Unmovable. You know, there's, a, there's an old song in our hymn book. I think it's in this one. It's, I shall not be moved. <laughs> and believe me, I've come across some of those Christians that will not be moved, <laughs> but not in the right way. God wants us to be steadfast, unmovable in our faith. I'm gonna, my faith is rock solid. Doesn't matter what color the carpet is. It doesn't matter what songs we sing. That can change, but my faith is unmovable. I'm not changing my opinion on the Word of God. I'm not changing my opinion on right and wrong based on anybody else's view and anybody else's opinion. I change or I live on it based on what the Scripture tells me. We. When, whenever we do anything in life, we talk about fo focus. One of our safety things at work is eyes on task, mind on task, you know. You got to stay focused. You got to, when you're doing, you know, whatever you do, whatever it is, you got to stay focused. And that's true in life. We coach, when we coach, you know, you got you to focus, you know, you got to focus. And it's true. And it's right. Everything in life is, is, it's true that you need to focus, stay focused. How much more, when we think about our faith, do we need to stay focused? There are a lot of distractions. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> there are a lot of distractions out there. And, and again, I'm not anti-Facebook, but it can be a distraction to our faith. We start listening and reading, and, and, and if you don't, before long we've spent, we spent all of our work time and all of our meal time and all of our laundry time and all of our yard work time on Facebook, you know, and when FaceTime, I, I'm not against Facebook. I'm not. I've got it on my phone and I look at it too. I usually don't read much of it. I just scroll it. I was just boring. But, but the world wants to plant things in our life to keep us to lose, to, to make us lose focus on what's, what's real. And what's right. We need to focus on what the Word of God teaches us and know that the Word of God is true. And no matter what anybody says, it's as relevant today as it was when it was written 2,000 years ago. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says this. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake 
from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Knowing that the return is getting closer. I'm a firm believer, and you hear it week after week, I'm a firm believer that we have to we have to read it for ourselves. Don't just bank on what this pastor says or what some pastor on TV says or what, what your brother or sister says. That's good stuff, and it can all be good stuff. But it, anything that I say or anything that anybody else says is not in line with what this says. Somebody's wrong, and it's not the Bible. And I, I believe me, and you know my heart, I would never try to say something that wasn't in line with the Word of God, but I am human, and I have been known to make a mistake now and then. And the Word of God should be my authority. And if, and, and if I say anything that's contrary to that, I need to be, that needs to be called out. I'm serious. The Word of God is our authority. What God says is right is right. And what God says is wrong huh, is wrong. It's just, it's just plain and simple. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay, we want our kids to grow up, don't we? We, we want our kids to gain knowledge, don't we? We want them to move out of the house someday, don't we? Come on now. We, we want and we expect, you expect your kids when they get to third grade not to still be doing kindergarten work, right? You expect along the way they're going to gain knowledge. They're going to begin to learn things that, that is appropriate at their age. They're going to begin, you know, you don't want your kid to have training wheels on their bike when they're 16. It's going to be a little awkward when they go bike riding with their friends. Believe me. The same is true in our spiritual lives. You see, the things that, that, that children can't handle and can't deal with, as they grow and mature, they learn ways to deal with those situations. The same is true in our spiritual life. When we get saved, we are called, according to Scripture, babes in Christ. But He doesn't want us to stay babes. He wants us to begin to grow. He, he, he doesn't want us to be shaken every time the wind blows and, and every time this happens at church. He doesn't want us to, to give up on our faith. He doesn't want us to get frustrated and angry. He wants us to realize that we can trust Him and we can grow in Him and, and we can stop eating mushed up vegetables out of a jar and start eating some steak, medium, ribeye. In case you were wondering. <laughs> he wants us to grow and mature in the faith. He, he doesn't want us to be shaken every time something bad happens. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to grow. 
He'll grow. It's okay, Alexis. It's okay. No, it's not a mom fail. He'll be okay. He'll be all right. But the Lord, it's a very good illustration. Believe it or not, it's a very good illustration. God wants us to grow just as we expect our children to grow. One time, Iverson was taking a bottle. Iverson don't take a bottle. He's growing. We're growing together. We're learning. And why do we do that? Why do, does God want us to grow in our faith? Why does God not want us to be shaken? Because He's got a work for us to do. There are people around us that God wants us to reach. There are people around us that God knows that we and only we can minister to their lives. If we didn't have the hope of eternal life, we wouldn't need to be do we wouldn't need to do it. If you have a knowledge of the reward of something, aren't you going to work a little harder for it? Uh, Tyler was talking about a couple Wednesday nights ago. He simply offered the kids a piece of candy for cleaning up. What they do, Tyler? <laughs> for a piece of candy, we need to realize there is a great reward for doing the work of the Lord, and it's not in monetary things. It's not in the things of this life that we think about as a reward for doing something, but it's a reward so much greater. One, we get to see people's lives changed. We get to know that we're, we're being a part of somebody's growth spiritually. Maybe we're going to be a part of somebody coming to know Jesus. Maybe we're going to be a part of, uh, as our Royal Ranger and Impact Girls Ministries leaders, as they pour into these children, they're going to share in the rewards of that child as they grow in the faith. Those kinds of rewards can't be measured, they can't be bought. All we know is that God is watching and He's keeping track and we're going to share in that reward. And ultimately, it's encouraging to know that our labor is not in vain. See, the, the, end of that, the end of that scripture shows us that our labor is not in vain. My wife used to say, talk about cleaning, and then you turn around, it's dirty again. Do the laundry, you turn around, you got more laundry. You wash the dishes, you eat, you have more dirty dishes. It's a never-ending process, Right? Sometimes we, we look at that and we don't see, we don't really see the purpose of it sometimes. We don't see the reward of that. But in our work for the Lord, we need to understand the measurement is not in the measurement of man, but the measurement of God. And know that He says that our work will not be in vain. Those prayers you pray are not in vain. Those, sac those things that you give up to do something for the Lord are not in vain. Those, those dollars that you give in the offering are not in vain. The work you do for the Lord is not in vain. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that everything else will go away except for what we've done for the Lord. The only things that will be left are the things that we've done for the Lord. 
all the all those fun times, all those trophies that you've earned, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting a pat on the back. There's nothing wrong in this life with with all those things. But in the end, the things that matter are the things that we've done for Christ. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. You've heard this before. It was quoted already once this morning during prayer time. And let us not grow weary of well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What's that say? Don't give up. You think of facing the giants, that part where that kid's down on all fours and he's got to carry some other kid a, a short distance and the coach is down on the ground. Keep going, keep going. Am I there yet, coach? The coach says, keep going. Don't worry about it. Keep going. Give your very best. And he keeps going and it's a struggle and it's a fight and he's weary and he's in pain and he wants to give up and the coach just keeps encouraging him. Give it your best. Don't quit until there's nothing left. And he makes it to the 100-yard mark. And he collapses. He's done everything he could and he gets up and he realizes he did way more than he could have ever imagined he could do way more than he would have ever dreamed he could do. He thought 10 or 15, maybe 20 yards. And that's what God is asking of us. He's asking us to do our very best. Don't give up when we, we, we come up against a struggle. Don't give up when we feel like we've hit a brick wall. Don't give up because nothing's going our way. Believe me, I would have given up many times over the years. But, but the Lord has helped me in those situations to understand it's not about me. It's not about whether I'm tired. It's not about whether I'm frustrated. It's not about whether or not what I wanted to do has worked. It's about continuing to be faithful in spite of all that. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't look at it from your perspective. Look at it from God's perspective and realize He's in control. Understanding that what we do for Christ is not in vain. And when the battle's over, when it's all said and done, we're going to be standing before the Lord. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this morning. This morning, the Lord is giving an invitation. First of all, He's given an invitation to anyone that's here this morning that may not know Him as their Lord and Savior. For anyone here that has not accepted Him, has not asked Him to forgive them of their sin, He's given you an invitation and in saying, I am here and I want to forgive you this morning. He's also giving us an invitation this morning to realize that we need to answer the call. That we need to be steadfast, immovable. That we need to step out in our faith and to grow in Him and, and to be all that He wants for us to be. To give it all that we have. And He will be the rewarder of those who faithfully serve Him. 
your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I, I would ask that question. If you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I am a Christian and I am I'm in this thing, but there are just times when I'm wore out. And the devil has been trying to get me to quit. And the world has try, been trying to convince me that it's not worth it. And this morning I recognize that I just need to be steadfast, immovable, and keep moving forward. Is that you this morning? Would you raise your hand? Yes, I see those hands this morning. Thank you for your honesty. And maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I, I haven't given my life to Jesus. I, I haven't asked Him to forgive me of my sins, but this morning I want to respond to that invitation to Him and say, yes, I want to start on that journey. I want to, I want to be free from the, the sin, the guilt, the shame, and I want Him to forgive me this morning. That's you. I would like you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Would there be one this morning that would say, that's me, Pastor? Lord, this morning I thank you for the privilege of serving you. And Lord, sometimes in this life we struggle and it's hard, but I know your call is to be steadfast and immovable. And Lord, there have been some this morning that have raised their hand and said, that's me, Lord. I need your strength. I need to stand up to the enemy. I need to stand up to the influences of the world that are trying to get me to quit. And I need to say, yes, Lord, I will be steadfast and immovable in my faith, and I will grow in you. Lord, thank you for their honesty, and I pray, Lord, that as they leave this place, they will leave with that assurance that they have responded to you and that you are intersecting with their life even today to help them to win this battle. And Lord, for those, anyone that may be here this morning that doesn't know you, even though they may not have raised their hand, Lord, I pray that you would speak into their life and you would help them, Lord, to realize they just need to repent. They just need to turn their life to you and you will forgive them. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. And may as we go this week, may we go in the power and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You are...